It is time for our sports, sports update. Joining us from the Yonop News Agency is Big U, Yuji Ho. Hello. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you, sir. So a lot to talk about. We're going to begin with football. Um, this is interesting and should be quite dramatic considering what's been going on between the two countries and that uh, looming sort of controversy over the Ramsier uh, essay. But Korea and Japan will be renewing their football rivalry uh, later this month. Uh, Tell us about this. It's going to take place in Yokohama? Yeah, uh, the date is March 25th. I guess, uh, you know, they will maybe try to stick to football in this case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their first meeting between... Uh, these arch rivals since December 2019, when they clashed in the final of the East Asian Football Federation Championship down in Busan. Uh, Korea won that match 1-0. Uh, they'd also made it the EAFF tournament in 2013-2015 and again 2017. But the last match in a non-tournament setting came way back in August 2011. Uh, that was in Sapporo. Japan won that one 3-0. Overall, they've played each other 79 times. Korea has won uh, 42 times out of the 79, 23 draws and 14 losses. But in recent years, Japan has had numbers. Uh, you know, interestingly, Japan first approached Korea about holding a friendly match during this late March FIFA uh, international match window. Uh, of course, the Asian World Cup qualifiers uh, that were scheduled for that particular period have been pushed back to June. Uh, there was a bit of a mutual interest, I think, on both sides to make this happen. Uh, Korea obviously needed to play some matches before the World Cup qualification resumes in June, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last year, Korea only played two international matches in Austria. And there was a bit of a, you know, a hiccup there with uh, the COVID-19 breakout uh, outbreak within the team. So uh, obviously, it's going to be a challenge again to be going into Japan at this particular juncture to play a match and then try to come back home. Yeah, and so we usually know that these rivalries in sports with Japan uh, generally have a tinge of the politics mixed into it, right? And, and that's just mm-hmm. sort of an unavoidable thing. Um, probably will be some scrutiny here, especially because of the rarity of this kind of uh, international uh, sports meeting. I, I guess the question, though, is um, we'll talk about the travel restrictions shortly, but I, I, I know that there will be concerns um, as far as the game itself. But obviously, uh, some concerns as to the players. Are they going to be safe in Japan? <laughs> Well, I mean, this is a question, Mike. I don't think anybody can answer the question right now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the virus caused all the shots. Um, we don't really have a lot of control over that, uh, other than, you know, having try to have them stay as safe as possible and do all the things, uh, wearing masks, uh, you know, maintaining distance, not doing anything foolish while they're in Japan. Uh, but, you know, there's only so much that they can do individually. Uh, so you just got to, you know, kind of send them out there and hope for the best. Right. Well, in terms of being in um, this environment, COVID-19, the pandemic, travel restrictions make this obviously a challenge. But the KFA has apparently reached a deal. And I kind of wish I could get in on this because I haven't been able to uh, visit my family (laughs) in the States for a while. But obviously, I'm no uh, elite athlete. But apparently, there's an exemption now in place for players and coaches from quarantine when they return. Right. So the deal is the players and coaches and team staff will enter one-week cohort isolation in a bubble out at the National Football Center in Paju when they come back from Japan. And uh, they're going to be able to join their respective clubs afterwards. So during the first week, 
they're going to stay in the bubble. Uh, they'll still be able to train inside the training complex, but would not be allowed to make any outside contact. So it's going to be closed down. No outside uh, figures are allowed to enter the facility for the week. And once everybody tests negative for the for COVID-19, they will be able to, again, report back to the clubs and actually be allowed to play matches. Uh, there's a precedent for this. Uh, Wusan Hyundai AFC, a K-League club, when they played in the FIFA Club World Cup in Qatar in early February, uh, they came home. Uh, they were in a bubble. They were putting a bubble in their clubhouse for one-week court isolation. And uh, when they tested negative, uh, they were able to actually commute from their home to their uh, facility to train for another week. So, you know, if I guess, again, just keeping the fingers crossed that nobody tests positive during this isolation period. And uh, once they clear that hurdle, they'll be able to just, you know, live in the, uh, I guess, as, as normally as possible during the pandemic. Uh, for, for the KFA, the next obstacle is obviously to get the K-League clubs to agree to release their players. Mm. And they're not required to do it during the pandemic because of the rules here. Um, and also the KFA has asked the foreign clubs, uh, I would think Tottenham Hotspur for being one, yeah. for their co- cooperation in releasing the Korean players, uh, you know, trying to get Sonu Means and, you know, Huang Yijos and Huang Yichans and whatnot, all those guys are based in Europe. They've asked these clubs to release them. Again, they don't have to do it. Uh, if they're concerned about traveling and all that, they don't have to do it. So I guess that's the next the biggest obstacle for the KFA. Yeah, I mean, even with these uh, FIFA-sanctioned A matches, it's almost like pulling teeth right out of a, uh, mm-hmm. at a dentist's office to try to get these clubs to agree. It just feels... I, I I would feel like if I was uh, Tottenham management, I'd be very reluctant to let uh, Son uh, go right now at this crucial uh, juncture in their season. But we shall see, and it's going to be a very interesting match indeed. Let's talk baseball then, Big U. KBO, Chushin Su, uh, finally uh, kind of showing himself in a public way, joining the SSG Landers after uh, completing his mandatory 14-day quarantine. I got to say, it's pretty jarring to see him in that uniform. The uniform itself is brand new, obviously, uh, to us uh, observing the KBO. But just him, uh, after so many years in a Texas Rangers uniform, he just looks very, very different. Um, He did say that he did come to Korea with one goal in mind, right? Yeah, and that is to win a championship. Um, You know, he sort of started the team's roster while he was considering moving to Korea and decided, you know what? Uh, I think this team has enough talent to win a championship. I'm going to go sign with them, trying to win it. I guess that's kind of debatable whether yeah. they have enough talent to do it. You know, this is a team that finished in ninth place last year, uh, but they did keep busy in the offseason. Uh, prior to signing Chu, they also landed hard-hitting infielder Choi Jo-hwan, a former Doosan Bears player uh, in free agency. They acquired veteran reliever Kim Sang-soo. You know, sign and trade with the QM Heroes, and also they've added a couple of new foreign pitchers. Uh, on paper, I think they should be good enough to finish it better than ninth, uh, which is where they ranked last year. Uh, but uh, Chu, I think he's going to have to be a difference maker if they were to win a championship in the next year or two. Uh, he said, you know, he's 38 years old. At this point in his career, he didn't just come here to get a taste of KBO baseball. He wanted to come and win, actually do something, uh, do some damage uh, on the field. And interestingly enough, his manager, Kim won Young said uh, Chu will mostly bat second and play left field. He has played left, left field in majors in terms of batting second. Uh, he's, I, guess, I guess he's more used to betting leadoff spot, but he said he's open to hitting anywhere in the lineup. Yeah, and for, for them, you, you know, I mean, it's it's nice PR, right? Uh, he didn't really have a choice in terms of studying different rosters, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, an option to go to a, another championship-level team. But bottom line is, it's not going to be the hitting. It's going to really be their starting pitching and relieving that's going to determine whether they're going to be champions or not, right? 
I agree. They've got a good lineup uh, from you know one to maybe six or seven. That's a pretty good lineup. Very stacked. A lot of uh, power, uh, on base skills and whatnot. But you're right. Just the pitching. There's a, you know, they've got a couple of new foreign guys. Ari Lewicki, uh, William Font. Uh, still kind of question marks, I would think, yeah. even though they've done well in spring training, and not a lot of depth beyond them uh, in the rotation. And also the bullpen was kind of messed last year. Mm. They, didn't re- they didn't really address that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to pitching in 144 game season for them. But it's going to be interesting. New corporation, new sponsor, new team, new logo, and obviously new Chushinsu. Uh, and so uh, bringing some excitement here uh, as we head to the KBO season opener. Let's talk Olympic news. Uh, this is now a bit of a pattern, I guess, Big U. The Korean-born Olympic short track speed skating champion Im Hyo-jun applying for a Chinese citizenship. He's going through some uh, legal issues here in Korea over uh, sexual harassment charges. Not sure if there's a correlation. Uh, what's behind this uh, decision? Yeah, so he wanted to compete at the Beijing Olympics next year, and he decided he wasn't going to be able to do it for his native country. And the Chinese Skating Association reached out, so he's going through the process of being naturalized as a Chinese athlete. Uh, but there's a bit of a, uh, you know obstacle for Kim Hyo-jun. Uh, under the Olympic rules, uh, if he acquires a new nationality, uh, he will have at least will have at least three years have passed since he last competed for Korea. And uh, his last international event for Korea came in March 2019. Olympics would be in February 2022. So he doesn't quite make that three years uh, to be able to eligible to be able to be able to compete for uh, any country mm-hmm. uh, in Olympics other than Korea. He's going to need approval from Korean Olympic Committee to do it. Uh, Korean side, unlikely to grant him that wish because, one, he'll be competing for a rival country, and two, they think he's going to set a bad precedent for other skaters uh, in the future. So, uh, you know, it's going to be hard, I think, for him to get the green light, uh, even if he ends up getting the Chinese passport. And can we say, because the precedent with Victor on and sort of his success with the Russian uh, speed sk- uh, short track team and, and what he was able to do largely considered a sympathetic figure because of the way he was treated by the uh, federation right uh, this is very different i, I it, it doesn't im hyo jun is certainly not necessarily uh seen as a victim or a sympathetic figure in some quarters he is actually uh i think there's a lot more to his sexual harassment okay. charges that we don't know uh the case has reached the supreme court and uh he has appealed uh, got the uh, earlier fine com- court fine conviction overturned, uh, but the Supreme Court can go either way. So, depending on that ruling, uh, he might end up, you know, not being able to represent Korea. So, which is why he chose to try to go to China. But even there, he's gonna he's gonna run into a wall of uh, these Olympic rules and all that. So, he's only 24 years old. Uh, you would hope that if he doesn't make it next year, maybe the Olympics afterward, he be by which time he'd be something like 27, 28. Yeah, uh, should still be able to, I guess, uh, stay on the ice. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, spurious charges in regards to the uh, sexual harassment allegations aside, though, uh, more of the optics of kind of going metal hunting, kind of being a mercenary, uh, going to China, uh, despite the mistreatment here. Uh, we'll have to see uh, how eventually all of this unfolds. But as you say, it doesn't look like there is going to be any approval coming from the Korean side of things. So uh, it does look like still a difficult, a difficult slog uh, for him. All right, Big U, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Hope you have a good weekend and we'll talk to you again next week. You too. Thanks for having me.